0: Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series, where we'll be discussing the implications for EU sovereigns of a complete shutdown of Russian gas supplies. I'm Paul Gamble, Head of Emerging Europe Sovereigns at Fitch. Today I'm joined by Federico Borriga Salazar, Director of the Emerging Europe Sovereigns Team, and Michaili Napolitano, Head of the Western European Sovereign Team. At Fitch, we've been concerned for some time about the prospect of a shutdown of Russian gas exports to the EU. While we only adopted this as a baseline in our September version of the Global Economic Outlook, we've been publishing research on this scenario since Gazprom cut supplies to Poland and Bulgaria back in April. We've had extensive dialogue with ministries of energy across the region and put out two in-depth regional reports. The energy situation and policy responses to it remain a key focus of our research as the shock evolves from a growth one into a fiscal one. So Federico, You produced a detailed report on Central and Eastern Europe's exposure to Russian gas supplies in June. Who did we identify as the most vulnerable to a cutoff and why?
1: Thanks, Paul. The report we put out in June sought to identify historical vulnerabilities in the region and look at the mitigating factors for each of the CE sovereigns we rate to try to assess the rating implications of such a scenario. Given the proximity and historical links to Russia, it's no surprise that many countries in the region had a complete or very large dependency on Russian gas and other Russian energy sources. Russian gas has been used across the region for heating and for industrial activity, in some cases for sectors that are very important for value added. Compared to many Western European countries, many CE sovereigns also experience stronger pass-through from changes to energy prices as their weighing in consumer price indexes are higher, with households being much more vulnerable to higher prices. When we plotted this and other indicators to quantify this dependency across the EU, CE countries took nine out of the ten, ten, top ten places in terms of the most vulnerable. The next step we did was to look at how each country could cope with a partial or full reduction in Russian gas, and here we looked at the existing and plus gas infrastructure that didn't involve Russia, the ability to rely on other gas and energy markets, and how prepared a country was in terms of implementing a medium-term diversification strategy. Here's where we started to see large differences between countries, with some like Poland and the Baltics having developed important diversification strategies that significantly reduced russian gas vulnerabilities while others mostly in central europe coming short on any viable alternatives at the end we identified czechia hungary and slovakia as the most vulnerable credits in the region followed by bulgaria croatia estonia Latvia, and slovenia that are either less exposed or have developed contingency plans while lithuania poland and romania are the least exposed as they have access to alternative supplies, or in the case of Romania, have meaningful domestic gas production.
0: Thanks, Federico. So have any of our views changed since that report was published? And how is the gas supply situation impacting ratings?
1: Since our report was published, we have had several developments, the most important being the reduction in Russian gas exports to the EU, and even higher prices for energy and electricity. At the same time, we have seen many countries in the region meeting or exceeding their targets for storage capacity, thanks in part to infrastructure projects coming online or new supply agreements for LNG deliveries for countries like the US, Norway and Qatar. So at the moment, it seems that many CE sovereigns will be able to avoid gas supply shortages over the upcoming winter season and thus moderate the potential macro impact from this. However, we think that two main challenges still persist. The first is around higher and more persistent energy costs, which we think will force a growing trade-off between increasing fiscal support or aggravating macroeconomic headwinds. All countries in the region have implemented or announced a series of support packages and will likely increase expenditure further over the coming year. But this is likely to put pressure on the public finances and is likely to have diminishing returns. The second challenge is around medium-term diversification strategies. As without Russian gas, filling up storage capacity next year will be very challenging. And thus, this will sustain the risk of shortages over the coming winters. Again, here is where we see limited progress in some countries, particularly in Central Europe, including in the scope and costs of additional infrastructures and what this would also mean for public finances. As our scenario analysis has to some extent become the baseline, we have have revised the outlooks for both Czech Republic and Slovakia to negative in recent months. Hungary's rating outlook remains stable, in part due to the risks captured by a lower rating level and reduced pressures on supplies. However, for Hungary, as for many other CEE countries, we see the risks of a burst macro shock stemming from energy supplies and price issues as one of the key negative sensitivities.
0: Michele, which are the sovereigns in Western Europe that are most exposed to Russian gas?
2: Within Western Europe, we have identified Austria, Germany and Italy as the most vulnerable countries to a halt in Russian gas supply. But for different reasons. Austria and Germany lack viable short-term alternative energy supplies. Italy has more short-term alternative gas supply options but has one of the highest shares of gas in its energy mix among EU countries. Our quantitative vulnerability index for Western European countries that uh, our readers can find in our recent report, Impact of gas rationing on Western Europe, indicate that Finland and Greece can also be vulnerable to a Russian cutoff scenario. But on top of our quantitative analysis, we have also looked at more qualitative factors to support our assessment of each country's ability to replace Russian gas. These factors are, for example, diversification of gas import supplies, the size of domestic gas production, the presence of interconnector pipelines and LNG terminals, and also the regasification capacity in each country, and also the presence of other sources of energy like nuclear, for example. Gas in storage is also a factor. Gas in storage can help to mitigate some short-term demand pressure, but reserves could be depleted quickly in winter. And also it would be challenging to refill in 2023 in the absence of gas from Russia. So we do not consider gas storage capacity as a key mitigating factor. But based on this qualitative analysis, on top of our quantitative analysis, we have concluded that Greece and Finland would actually be more resilient to the scenario of a halt in Russian gas supplies. And that's due to their broader energy mix and access to alternative supplies, particularly in the case of Finland. So the shock the region is facing is clearly evolving.
0: What are the main channels you have focused on when thinking about ratings in the region?
2: The majority of countries in Western Europe have low to moderate direct exposure to Russian gas. But the region would still face a serious macroeconomic shock if flows from Russia were to completely stop. The latest forecasts in our global economic outlook assume a full or near-complete shut-off of Russian pipeline gas to Europe. Despite EU efforts to find alternatives, total gas supply to the EU will fall significantly in the near term, with the impact felt through industrial supply chains. This would be exacerbated if rationing became necessary to avoid outright gas shortages, a key risk in Germany. The crisis, has pushed up European wholesale gas and electricity prices nearly tenfold. A complete pass-through to retail gas and electricity prices could have huge impacts on consumer price index inflation, CPI inflation. A three-to-four-fold rise in retail gas and electricity prices would add more than 15 percentage points to the CPI. This is not going to be politically tolerable in many countries. And governments are forging responses to protect consumers. And we anticipate in our numbers more contained hikes in retail prices. But these measures, these government measures will have significant fiscal costs. In contrast to the role of quantitative easing in the pandemic, central bank policies are no longer supportive of fiscal easing to protect households and firms from economic shocks. With liquidity conditions tightening, large-scale fiscal easing could push up long-term real interest rates on the whole this is quite a difficult fiscal backdrop for Western Europe and in the region in Western Europe the Ukraine war including its impact on energy prices has increasingly had an impact on our growth forecast and hence on our fiscal projections relative to the start of the year for 2022 Revisions to our fiscal estimates have been fairly contained. Actually, in some cases, our fiscal estimates have been improving for this year, for 2022. This is due to the outperformance of the public finances in most countries, thanks to exceptionally strong revenue growth. This has provided a substantial buffer to accommodate varying levels of energy-related support spending without necessitating significant revisions by government to 2022 deficit targets so far. But this is about to change in our view. The strong revenue performance will not be repeated in 2023. The hit to growth next year will weaken revenue and public spending will be pressured by the indexation of social benefit expenditures, including pensions. Also, support to households and businesses looks set to increase meaningfully in response to the loss of Russian supplies, adding to the fiscal challenges. Many countries have announced the new support packages where the fiscal impact will be mostly felt next year. A few examples of recent announcements. Germany has announced a third fiscal support package while committing to reform its energy market, raising revenues from windfall taxes and capping electricity prices, Austria has announced an electricity price cap. Sweden and Finland plan guarantees to their utility companies. The UK has also announced a wide ranging energy package, which includes a cap on electricity prices. The nature and the size of fiscal responses will continue to vary with the reliance of each country's energy mix on gas and its dependence on Russian imports, as well as political choices and existing budgetary positions. Fiscal firepower varies a lot across countries in Western Europe. The trajectory of the debt-to-GDP ratio is a key rating sensitivity for several Western European sovereigns. Those sovereigns that are already running or close to run in budget primary surpluses and where the debt to GDP ratio is low or on a firm downward path, these sovereigns are less likely to come under rating pressure than countries running large primary deficits and where public debt is high and may return on an upward trend.
0: Thanks, Michaeli and Federico, for your insights and thank you, everyone, for listening. We spoke today on sovereigns. But other analytical teams within Fitch, particularly corporates, have produced a significant volume of research on this topic. And for all our views on the energy challenges within the EU, you can access our research on our website, www.fitchratings.com. We hope you can join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.